Welcome back. This is Kelly Gregg of kellygreggreggg.com, and this is the podcast number 11 in Health Topics. There is an ebook of the same name for those who like to read rather than listen. This is number 11 in the podcast Health Topics, and the title is The Food Engineer. Finally, we get to the crux of the book. I have talked about how to lose weight, manage diabetes, fast, and use your common sense in your diet. All this has been building up to what I want to happen. That is to be on a common sense diet based upon the information I have provided in order for you to remain healthy. The best treatment I can provide people is to prevent them from needing treatment. This is not a diet in which I tell you what to eat. I don't give you any recipes. I don't really tell you which food to buy. I don't sell you some special concoction or vitamin that makes you healthy. I don't want you to do any special exercises. My aim is to give you the ability to work, function, enjoy life, and be content. You do not have to change religions or political party and you could remain a vegetarian if you wish. I did not give much time to vegetarianism, but you can use your common sense and the same principles to get to the same goal. Vegetarians also get type 2 diabetes. In most households, there is a person mainly responsible for the food. This person much determined the general diet and buys most of the food. She, and most of the time it is a she, but not always, must determine how much food to eat and thus how much to buy. Most do not have an unlimited budget, and food ads and value shopping may be required. This may involve stopping at several stores and several days a week. Not only that, a variety of food items that may change week to week may be necessary to give a varied diet. Throughout history, man has enjoyed a varied diet rather than the same thing every day, even if that same thing is ribeye steak. Also throughout history, diets have changed depending on where you lived and the level of civilization. Let us restrict our discussion to the last five to 6,000 years, where there can be some written historical reference. It appears that early on, you ate what you had. By the process of trial and error, you figured out what tasted okay, what did not make you sick, what seemed to enable you to survive, and most importantly, what you had. For the first few thousand years, most did not travel that much since much of the travel was on foot. Although there were probably paths here and there, I doubt there was an equivalent of an interstate highway till the Roman Empire came along. For their first couple thousand years, most people probably did not travel more than 200 miles from their home once they figured out where their home was. As a result, there were many microbiomes that had their own diets, whether that be plant or animal. If you could not get enough food to keep yourself alive, you moved. Some biomes ate more animal life, such as the prairie Indian tribes, Some lived in areas where agriculture could develop. People lived in the mountains and the coast, even on secluded islands, tropical jungles, or frozen lands. 
the most common denominator was there was enough food to survive for hundreds of years. Their diets were quite varied, from almost no animal protein to almost no plant ingestion. The human body is quite remarkable and able to adapt to a thousand different diets and enable you to survive and thrive. This was done without any effort to count calories, eat more vegetables, avoid junk food, avoid fried foods, or eat as many different foods as possible. So the first few thousand years, despite virtually no knowledge of nutrition, we were able to flourish and spread around the world. Our current knowledge cannot even keep us from getting fat or succumbing to modern Western diseases. We can conclude that there were many diets that worked quite well without any apparent efforts to strive for a particular type of diet. We can agree this has changed. Let us skip to the Egyptian Empire. Now agriculture has developed to the point where an extensive government, leisure class, scientists, and craftsmen exist. The farmers can produce far more food than is required for their survival, and the excess can be used to feed people who do not have to grow their own food or find their own food. With government comes an economy which can motivate a farmer to produce more crop. With government also comes transportation to move the food into the city. This enabled many people to travel more than a couple hundred miles from home. Capitalism has motivated traders to import food from hundreds of miles away. The modern supermarket has 50 to 100,000 different food items. Thousands of years ago, people probably did not eat more than 100 to 200 different foods all their life. In the capital of Egypt, the market may have easily provided a thousand different food items. Now the diet is not necessarily limited to the local biome. Certainly the common man did not have as much variety as the king, but it was quite different from the common man thousands of years earlier. It may just be that we have better records of this era, but it appears some of the diseases of modern man were beginning to become more common. Of course, the mummies help us figure that out. At this point, an apparent trait of humans is more obvious. Man appears to want a varied diet. This is not a surprise, but still interesting. Even animals appear to appreciate different foods, despite being able to survive perfectly well on limited options. So it is with man. When the opportunity presented itself, man imported spices and foods from other areas, even as these areas were importing foods from them. Although in modern times this is easier to accomplish, I still imagine the pharaoh of Egypt was eating more exotically than we do today. Skip to the Roman Empire. Now we have an even more extensive and wide-ranging civilization with advanced infrastructure and science. We also have recorded history and realize that obesity, perhaps diabetes, and probably pre-diabetes was present in society. Now physicians were recognizing something called diet and perhaps recommending changes in the amount we eat and drink. Of course, they had the same problem we have today. That being, you cannot get patients to do anything you recommend. Of greater importance is that now we have the Old Testament of the Bible, which contains actual dietary laws for the Jews. Now we have a real diet documented 
along with the power of religion to enforce it. The diet includes animals and plant proteins, fasting, bread, honey, and a variety of foods. This diet was followed for at least a couple thousand years, and by some even to this present day. I'm not saying we should follow this diet, but this is the first recorded diet followed by a large group of people. It has been suggested that this diet actually did improve the general health of the people, and we can call this the first maintenance diet, although not the maintenance diet for the modern man. From the Roman era to the present time, the diet of most men has changed somewhat in the civilized world, and there has been different local variations. But for the most part, there has been enough food to maintain government, and widespread starvation is mostly related to the consequences of war and government actions. In the last 500 years, nutrition disease has been recognized. Type 2 diabetes was noted to be prevalent in older fat people. In fact, there appeared to be more obesity developing through the decades as an upper class developed with excess income to satisfy fleshly desires. Skip forward to the last 100 years. Now we have a much more homogeneous diet among men, especially in Western civilization. This is the modern diet. The maintenance diet for the modern man is my concern for this book. As you can see, I am interested in the main dietary diseases and how to possibly treat them. What I really want to do is prevent them. I have discussed various diets throughout, but all end in some type of maintenance diet. This is the diet that is practical and appropriate for the entire family, and one you can live with. I'll be honest, the whole thing depends on the food engineer. I didn't get much further than the food engineer just buying the food. This also involves a budget, shopping for the best price-quality ratio, determining how much and what kind of food to get, preparing the food, serving the food, avoiding food contamination, storing the food, and monitoring food intake. To do this right, it is a full-time job. You will have to handle the dietary requirements of toddlers, small children, teenagers, young adults, adults, and old people. All may have different needs. You will have to ensure an adequate caloric intake and prevent poor dietary habits outside the home. The food engineer is not the person who determines which restaurant to order food from that night. With the emergence of the two-income family in the last 70 years, this has complicated the job of the food engineer. More money and less time means eating out and less food preparation at home. I hate to tell you this, but the people who make your food in restaurants are interested in your coming back to eat there not in a good maintenance diet. The food engineer may be interested in the soy content, organic or non-organic, high fructose corn syrup or not, what kind of oil is used in the preparation, GMO or not food, grass-fed beef, and what was the diet of the animals used, and the overall carb amount. The chef just wants you to come back. I am basing my recommendations on what I perceive to be the cause of our current state. This involves both our eating habits and types of food we eat, as well as the changes that have occurred in the processing of our food as technology has advanced. 
Some of what I have written you may not have heard before. Some you may already know. Some of what I have written may be the opposite of what you have read before. None of what I have written will be medical advice. I may not be a physician and may not have a license to practice anything. I am counting on your common sense to see if what you read seems reasonable, and hopefully you will incorporate some of this information in your life. You should consider this to be an opinion book, not a textbook. I give you no references. No matter what, if you read this book, you will know more about food and nutrition than you know right now. I will approach the subject of the maintenance diet for the modern man from various viewpoints to try to give you a deeper understanding of why I have given you this advice. I had written several smaller books on various aspects of this diet and combined them all in my book, Diet and Health. To get the full effect, you must read the whole book. I've told you the food engineer is the basis for success in the maintenance diet for the common man. I'm going to continue to address this person. If you have a food engineer, I highly encourage you to buy her my book, Diet and Health. If you are the food engineer, I encourage you to buy the book. If you know anyone who is a food engineer, I also encourage you to buy the book. Okay, let's just say I encourage everybody to buy the book. Now we have a basic understanding of what happens when you eat and when you don't eat. This will help you understand the maintenance diet, or really any other diet. Previously, I have gone over the management, prevention, and treatment of diabetes. I hope the maintenance diet will decrease the chance of that happening to you. I also described the ketogenic diet, which other than fasting, I believe is the most effective and practical weight loss diet. Actually, it's not the most practical weight loss diet, but it will get you to lose weight more rapidly than even the ketogenic diet. I hope the maintenance diet can also decrease your chance of getting obese. No matter what, eventually you must go on a maintenance diet. Now, I am trying to prevent health problems for our kids, teenagers, young adults, older adults, and real old adults. This is not about making you healthy. It is about keeping you healthy and preventing many of the chronic diseases that affect the modern man. I shouldn't have to say this, but you know when I say modern man, I mean modern man or woman. It's just easier to say the modern man, and it fits on the title of the book better. I am not going to tell you what to buy and what to eat specifically, although I will tell you to avoid high fructose corn syrup completely. But I will try to give the food engineer some practical guidelines. My definition of health continues to be the ability to work, function, enjoy life, and be content. Not necessarily to live longer. First, the stricter guidelines. Fast at least 12 hours between the last meal of the day and the first. You know that historically this had to be the most common schedule. Eat at sunrise and about sunset. Do not start up the campfire in the middle of the night to have a snack. There is really no reason you should not be able to do this almost all the time. If you sometimes have a late dinner, then you just have a late breakfast or even skip breakfast. The benefit of not getting repeated spikes of glucose over 30 years and developing insulin resistance is just too great. I give up asking you to only eat at sunrise and sunset. 
With the onset of artificial lighting, we cannot change the dynamics of eating later, and thus many people eating lunch in the middle of the day. I would prefer you not have to have snacks between meals, but I know that this is going to happen sometimes. The food engineer must anticipate that there will be some between-meal snacks and provide the appropriate food availability, especially if teenagers are around. I suggest something more like various nuts, figs, apples, oranges, other fruits, leftover dinner, deviled eggs, or whatever low-carb you can think of. I know fruit is not low-carb, but if you eat the whole fruit and do not make a habit of eating fruit daily, it will probably work out fine. Remember, the maintenance diet is not necessarily a weight loss diet. Just avoid cookies, pastry, Twinkies, cupcakes, or any other high glucose carbohydrate, especially those made with fine flour. Look back to the ketogenic diet, where you can snack all we want, as long as it is low carb. I am not going to tell you to never eat bread, cookies, or donuts, just that these are not to be the snack items. If you want to include these items as part of your regular meals, we'll talk about that later. Snacking to slate hunger for a while cannot be high carbohydrates or high sweetness. Do not consider this to be the fourth or fifth meal of the day, and do not snack every day. But for young adults and perhaps kids, snacking seems to be unavoidable. Next, do not be afraid to skip breakfast or lunch. Breakfast is not the most important meal of the day. I do not know how this myth was started, unless you are fasting and when you eventually break that fast, it may be important to you. If there were no food available, and you had to fast till you obtained some, a situation that was probably common in the last few thousand years, then breaking that fast would be the most important meal of the day, because it would mean we finally found something to eat. It did not necessarily occur in the morning. No one reading this book has been in that predicament. Do not be afraid to skip lunch. As we may have discussed, there is a cyclic release of ghrelin, and you do get hungry. It also goes away after about an hour or two. It may return later in the day, but again will go away. When you are fasting, the cycle diminishes, and after a couple days, you don't get any sustained hunger. If you are on a reduced calorie diet, you are hungry all the time, and thinking about food all the time, even in your dreams. Very few of you will get hungry overnight, and after 12 hours, you still not, may not be all that hungry in the morning. Are you going to tell me you cannot wait a few hours between breakfast and lunch, or your next meal, when you had no problems not eating for at least 12 hours overnight? I keep mentioning kids and teenagers. Even though they can skip lunch without metabolic consequences, it appears it is more difficult for them to do so. If you are in a growth spurt, your body is driving you to eat through hunger. These growth spurts happen in kids and teenagers, so you must be a little sympathetic. That does not mean a dozen donuts for a snack. You think I'm kidding, but I have seen a teenager eat that much for a snack. Also, it makes absolutely no sense to eat multiple small meals. One of the worst diets ever, secondary to the reduced calorie diet. I can only imagine this was created by the same people who promoted the low-fat diet. 
I don't know if hypoglycemia exists in people who are not taking medications such as insulin. Remember, Angus had a blood sugar of about 30 mg per deciliter for about a year without hypoglycemic symptoms. So I think it would be a rare event that anyone really has this. More likely is that I feel better after eating a Big Mac, so if I'm not feeling well, I need a Big Mac. You may not remember who Angus was, but you can go back in the book. For the food engineer, if you eat a donut before the meal, you will get a rapid absorption of glucose and hence the larger insulin spike. If you eat a donut at the end of the meal, you get the same number of carbs, but slower absorption and a lower insulin spike. I now believe it is the repeated and rapid elevated insulin spikes over 30 years that lead to insulin resistance, perhaps more than the total amount of carbs. So it makes more sense to serve dessert at the end of the meal than the beginning. I am not saying never eat a donut. That is not practical, and you need a certain amount of enjoyment in life. I am saying you should not eat high-carb foods on an empty stomach and thus expose your poor liver to a rapid onset of glucose and subsequent high insulin spike by the pancreas. Remember the ketogenic diet. You can eat very low-carb foods between meals if you wish, and we don't have to worry about the high insulin spike. The maintenance diet is not a weight loss diet. You can always be on the ketogenic diet if you want fat loss. Still, it's not a bad idea that if you must snack, to limit it to lower carb snacks. We have the 12-hour fast and reasonable snacks if necessary. It is not unhealthy to skip meals. Don't eat six times a day. Eat enough food at mealtime so you are not hungry at the end of the meal. So far, this seems quite doable. Now to talk about what is really being eaten. This is the math part. This used to be my favorite, but now I realize that most people don't count anything. If you are on the ketogenic diet, you know you must eat low carbs. But even then, you really do not need a count, just keep the ketones in the urine. You can look at the food label and see how many carbs are within, so you know about how many you need to stay below but no one is keeping a ledger. Now, if you have a low-carb diet to prevent going back to diabetes, you will be keeping track of exactly how many carbs you are taking in. This is a special maintenance diet and does not apply to most food engineers who are simply trying to prevent arriving at prediabetes and obesity in the first place. I do not want you to have to keep a ledger for 30 years for the normal maintenance diet. The low-carbohydrate diet is for people who have had insulin resistance, and that's a little different deal. Basically, one gram of carbohydrate is four calories, one gram of protein is four calories, and one gram of fat is nine calories. If you are going to divide up your diet to one-third protein, a little less than one-third carbohydrate, a little more than one-third fat, you would not divide it up by weight, but by calorie count. Fiber does not count for carb intake since you don't digest it. However, it is quite important to carb regulation, as we will see later. The number of calories your family needs varies all over the map, depending on how big they are, the metabolism, 
how much energy you are expending, it would be nearly impossible to calculate the calorie needs of your family members. Let us just forget about counting calories except in a general sense to divide up the food groups. It seems like that for thousands of years, food engineers have been able to figure out how much food to make with no idea of what a calorie is. It also appears that modern man can figure out how much food to eat without counting anything. In fact, most people do a great job of keeping their weight within a couple pounds without thinking anything about it. For all of human history, man has just eaten at mealtimes till they were full. Then they waited until the next meal. Certainly eating throughout the day was a rare event. This may have meant they were a little hungry before dinner, but no big deal. As we discussed earlier, it was logical that until the last few hundred years, people ate twice a day, around sunrise and around sunset. Also, it appears people did not count their carbs or protein or fat. Despite this handicap, there was no epidemic of obesity. It also appears that for the last few thousand years, man has liked to eat fat and meat, as well as fruits that were in season. Sometimes their diet was mainly all meat, sometimes an abundance of fruit, sometimes various vegetables during the harvest season. You ate what you had and what you liked as long as you had a choice. Many times you did not have a choice and had to eat what you had preserved, which was mainly grains and some legumes. A common denominator in written history is the consumption of bread, and I cannot get around the observation that the traditional diet was probably a higher-carb diet than I am advocating. Before I wrote anything, I had to resolve this apparent contraindication as to what I believe the diet should be. I started out by asking what happened in the last 70 to 100 years. For the first time in recorded history, we have rising levels of diabetes, obesity, autoimmune disease, and cancer. We have a lifespan little change from 3,000 years ago, despite amazing advances in medical sciences, no major plagues, no major loss of life in world war, and an abundance of food. The diet has changed somewhat with the increased consumption of certain carbohydrates, the ability to preserve food and eat whenever we want, and the increase of chemicals in the environment that have not been seen previously in man's history. There are other factors that may be involved, but I am writing about diet. How you can eat to enhance your ability to maintain health and your body's healing processes. No extra vitamins. No special exercise, no special food, just giving you some information and maybe non-medical advice to help you use your common sense to figure out what you and your family should eat. You are going to be eating anyway. You might as well be doing it right. So far, I have not told you anything much about what to eat, except eat at mealtimes, eat till you are full, fast 12 hours a day, and no high fructose corn syrup. I will tell you how the food has changed in the last 100 years and why I think we must modify our carb intake over the historical norms. I will review a few other diet-related diseases and how our bodies may have changed in the last 100 years.
I will continue addressing the food engineer. This should be the best part of the whole book, because now I'm talking to people that are healthy and how to keep them healthy. I believe almost everyone has some form of a food engineer. That is the person who is mainly responsible to ensure that food is in the house. And I'm really going to address this person and almost the rest of the book. Now that they think of it, this book will be a great Mother's Day present, or Easter present, or Fourth of July present, or Thanksgiving present, or birthday present, virtually any kind of present. I will continue for a few more podcasts on this subject, since I don't want to quit right in the middle. The podcast Health Topics is what this is going to appear on, and each of these podcasts has a corresponding ebook associated with it. If you really don't want to miss anything, you can go to my other podcast, which is Health Topics, and get the podcast for each chapter of the book. These are all available on kellygreg.com.